right, people of hope, let's put our hands together, celebrating life, celebrating eternal life, celebrating abundant life, and we are so glad that you are here as we continue our series on the DNA of hope. What makes this church be the church that God wants it to be? We want to center our DNA around Jesus. In fact, if anybody ever asks you, what kind of church do you go to? What kind of church did you go to this weekend? We want to tell them that this is a Jesus church. Exactly. Jesus forms our core values. And so here's what we're talking about during this series. Last week we talked about loving like Jesus. Loving unconditionally. Loving purposefully and loving mercifully with kindness. And as we do that, people feel the love of God and people are drawn into the message of the gospel. Today we're talking about living like Jesus. Next week we'll talk about giving like Jesus. Then we'll talk about praying like Jesus and serving like Jesus, our core values. Today we're talking about living like Jesus because Jesus is a lifestyle. Uh, Jesus is not just for the weekends. Jesus is not just for what goes on in this building. Jesus is a lifestyle. Jesus is all about what's happening at your work. He's all about what's happening at your school. He's all about what's happening in your neighborhood. Jesus wants you to live like he lives 24-7. Come on, give me an amen. And we're going to look today into uh, one of the friends of Jesus, probably the best friend of Jesus, as he writes to us about this. Uh, Jesus had a lot of friends. Jesus would like to be your friend, you know that? He'd like to be your friend. He had, he had the multitudes. They were his friends. They followed Jesus. He had the 70. They were closer friends. He had the 12 disciples. They were very close friends, closer than the crowd. And then inside the 12, there was Peter and James and John. And inside Peter and James and John, you could say that Jesus' BFF was Jesus, was John. It was John. John. John was the one who sat beside Jesus at the Last Supper. John was the only disciple that was at the foot of the cross while Jesus was being crucified. He was close to Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, John, when I give my life here on the cross, I want to make sure that my mother is taken care of, and I want you to take care of Mary like she's your own mother. John was Jesus' BFF. And he, he has some books out. Did you know that? They're in the Bible. They're really easy to find. Guess what they're called? John. He has the Gospel of John. That's a great book. And then he has a letter called 1 John. And it was so good, it has a sequel. 2 John. And just like Hollywood, when you get a success, he got 3 John. 1st, 2nd, he's got four books, all called John. And we're going to look at the letter he wrote that is called 1 John. Because in this letter, he writes to us and says this. That when you claim to be in the family of God, or even if you desire to be in the family of God, if you desire to live the church, live like the church, you want to define what the church should be like, he says that we should choose to live like Jesus. And if you have a Bible, we're going to be looking at the first chapter and a little bit into the second chapter of this letter as we look at five ways that John tells us Jesus lived and if he's calling us to live like Jesus, five ways that we should 
follow the example. Take Jesus as our model and say, that's how I want to live. So we begin with the very first verse of the very first uh, chapter of 1 John, and here's what it talks about. It talks about Jesus came not only to teach the Word of God, but Jesus came as the representation of the Word of God, and Jesus lived fully and completely God's Word. He, it's very interesting. Uh, his letter, 1 John, begins very similarly to how he began his gospel. Here are the two verses that begin those two passages of Scripture. In 1 John that we're looking at, he talks about Jesus being the living Word of God. And in John chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word. If you're uh, a Bible student, that word is logos, the Greek word. Same word in 1 John. He says that I have seen these things, watch, from the beginning, that which is from the beginning, and you see that again in 1 John. He's talking about how Jesus was from the beginning. He's actually, Jesus is eternal. And he says, I've heard, he heard the voice of Jesus. And I've seen, I saw how Jesus lived his life. I saw it with my eyes and I heard it, and I even touched it with my hands. And it was all about, and he calls Jesus the word of life. In John, the gospel, he calls Jesus the word, the logos. Now, this was an important concept. In Greek culture, the word logos carried significant meaning. It meant the divine principle that permeated the entire universe, the logos. We get the word logic. Can you hear that? Logos, logic. It was the logic that held the universe together. Greeks understood that word very much, and it had a deep religious significance. The Hebrews also understood the Word. The Word of God meant the will of God. That what God wanted to happen, that was His Word. And it meant when God said it, He also had the power to do it. When He says in the opening uh, act of the Bible, let there be light, that was His Word, that was His will, that light would come, and He had the power to perform it. So Jesus came as the direct expression a hundred percent of God's will and his power. And because of that, he lived a life totally in harmony with who God was. He was God. In fact, 1 John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, or Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus lived more than anyone else ever in all of humanity, as the heavenly man, he lived to the highest standards of morality and ethics. Now get this, please. Get this, brothers and sisters. Which means, if we're to live like Jesus, we can't be unethical and immoral people. I'm just going to want to bring that, because that's how Jesus lived. He lived that way. Now, that's a high goal. That's a high standard. He lived as the representation of God. And if we're going to live the Word of God, which is the will of God, we have to be people that read the Word of God, which is something we encourage you to do all the time, each day of your life, to take some time to open up the Scriptures so that you can read the Word of God so that you can live the Word of God. I have a Bible reading habit, and I, uh, I read uh, a proverb a day. It's very simple. I encourage everyone to read a proverb a day. I just read whatever proverb it is that day, whatever the number of the day is. Today's number is 29, for those of you that are wondering. 
So I would read Proverbs 29. There's 31. Filled with wisdom. And many times as I read the Proverbs, I go, oh, I've got to live a little bit higher. I've got to operate a little bit higher. I read in the New Testament. I read in the Old Testament. And I read in the Psalms. These are my daily habits. But read a proverb a day, please. It's just a great place to start. A proverb a day keeps the devil away. Just... So Jesus, when you, I'm going to tell you, when you're reading in the Scriptures, you're reading Jesus. And that's, that's how Jesus lived. He lived the Word of God. The second thing he goes on to say is that because Jesus lived, he came to build fellowship or relationship. Jesus had the most healthy relationships, and he encourages us as people that live like Jesus to have healthy relationships. People who follow Jesus should have good relationships. It's called fellowship, or in the Greek language, it's called koinonia. Koinonia. And here's what John says to it in the opening verses of 1 John. He says, that which we have seen, again, we saw this in Jesus, and that's which we proclaim to you. We've seen this, and we're telling you how Jesus was. And we're saying this life of Jesus to you so that you might have good relationships with us, fellowship with us, and fellowship with God, God the Father, God the Son. Koinonia means that you have a relationship that connects and gives life. It's possible to come to church and never have fellowship, to just sit beside somebody. If I had two ends of an extension cord, and I just held them up, and I never plugged them in. That would be like some people coming to church. Or going to a small, you can, it's harder to go to a small group and not have fellowship, which is why we'd like you to get into, because you've got to learn this. Our connect groups, our small groups, it's very hard when you get into a small group to not have fellowship. But it's possible to sit in a room and never connect. What koinonia is, to connect in a way that gives life and glorifies God and lets the power and the life of Jesus flow through you. That's what koinonia is. And that's how Jesus lived. Jesus had healthy relationships, of course, with his heavenly Father. He koinonia with his Father. And then he had the most beautiful relationship with his close friends. He would like you to have good relationships with the people, the ones that live in your house. Let's start there. That's it. That, that, his plan so you can't say, oh, I'm living like Jesus. I just hate everybody. <laughs> I'm living like Jesus. I just don't get along with anybody. That, no, that, that's not how Jesus lived. It means this, that if we're going to connect with each other, we've got to start paying attention to each other. Which means sometimes turning off TV. Now, oh, I'm preaching. Now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, not turning on the Internet. Do you know if Jesus was on the earth, if Jesus was walking the earth today, he wouldn't always be on his phone. This, this would not be Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've got a beatitude for you. I'll get it to you later. You gotta connect, you gotta plug in, like to to extent, you gotta plug in. And this is what Jesus did. He plugged in. And life flowed. They were life-giving relationships. And that's what he calls us to do: to have life-giving relationships with 
The people we come, just don't sit beside people when you come to church. Here's a great question to ask when you're with people. And it helps you to have koinonia or have deep relationships. Ask yourself, just in the back of your head while you're sitting with someone and in conversation over coffee or even when you come to church, say, God, what would you like to say to this person? Just ask that question in the back of your mind. Just, God, what would you like to say to this person? And then say, am I available to say that to them? God, what would you like to say to that person? And am I available? Because when you say it, you plug in. That's what Jesus did all the time. He heard what his father wanted to say, and he said it, and he connected with people. That builds koinonia. Jesus prayed this prayer, and we're going to look at Jesus' prayer life in this series, but Jesus prayed in John 17 that our connection with each other would be so close, it's pictured in the relationship Jesus had with his heavenly father. That's his prayer, that we wouldn't just sit in the same room, but we would have koinonia, fellowship, People that live like Jesus have healthy relationships. Give me an amen. You're like, really? Yeah, it's true. Jesus had good relationships. Now get this one, please. (laughs) Right after that, he says, okay, you want to live like Jesus? Jesus lived a life of joy. Now, Now John was Jesus' BFF. So he was with him all the time. And he writes to us and says, hey, I'm going to tell you, I'm writing these things to you about what I've seen and what I saw in Jesus, and I'm encouraging you to live like Jesus, and I want to write these things to you so that your joy may be complete. I don't know if I've got the complete joy yet, but I'm working on it. How about you? See, I sometimes think that if the family of God would get this, it would just cause you to enjoy church a little bit more. Like I preached to you all the time, so I'm looking at you. Did you know that joyful people smile? Joyful people laugh. If you are too uptight to smile and laugh, you need a good dose of Jesus. Look what Jesus says. John records this in John 15. He says, okay, uh, Jesus said to us, I'm teaching you, I'm living this life so that my joy, which means Jesus had joy, would be in you and that your joy would be full. I don't know if I got the full joy, but I'm working on it. How about you? I, I, I want to live like Jesus. I know somebody says, well, wasn't Jesus a man of sorrows? Three times in Isaiah 53, it talks about Jesus being a man of sorrows. And they're all related to his work on the cross. And then when Jesus gave his life for us, there was a lot of sorrow. That's true. But remember this, Jesus was born in joy. When he showed up on the planet, the angels showed up and said, we've got good news for you. It's news of good tidings and great joy. Could you just say it like you have some of it, please? Come on, just, just. Joy, 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 joy. He, he lived in joy. This is what John, John lived, clo- John didn't just like BFF once a week with Jesus. He was with Jesus every day. And he saw Jesus' joy. He saw it. In fact, I put a couple of scriptures here. The psalmist 
in Psalm 45 prophesied that Messiah and a was anointed, Messiah means anointed one, Christ means the same thing, anointed one. And in Psalm 45 it says, the anointing that was on Jesus was an anointing of joy, an anointing of gladness. And to live like Jesus is to just have a little bit more joy than you're having right now. (laughs) Smile more. Laugh a lot. I, th- I think if we lived like Jesus and got this, that more people would come into the family of God because the world is looking for joy and they're looking for it in all the wrong places. And we're supposed to got it. The, the, Romans 15 says that the kingdom of God is not about a lot of religious rules. That's what it says about eating and drinking. Some people have made this whole thing into a religion of rules. And Paul writes in Romans 15, it's not about eating and drinking. He said the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Which means the anointing that was on Jesus needs to be an anointing that's on you, and that is an anointing of joy. Oh my goodness, wouldn't that be a great anointing? How many are hungry for the anointing of joy? I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready for an anointing of joy. I, I want to have more fun by accident than most people have on purpose. I want people to wonder what I'm on. I, well, what are you? Jesus. Do you know that like, when Jesus was around people that weren't even in the kingdom of God, they loved him. He attracted them to the kingdom of God. Because he was a joy to be around. Some of you aren't. Let's have testimony time right now. Amen. Let's have testimony. Jesus was a joy to be around. And those who live like Jesus are a joy to be around. This would help your marriage. This would help your home. So somehow we've got into this, like, well, Jesus followers, they can have messed up relationships, and they can have no joy. No, Jesus is like that. Jesus has good relationships, filled with love. He is filled with joy. That's what he has. And that's what he wants us to live like, that your joy may be full. Stop taking yourself so seriously nobody else does. And don't let anybody rob your joy. They can't do it without your permission anyway, so don't give them permission. And live a life like Jesus. Jesus lived a life of joy. He goes on in the next verse to say this. He says, okay, uh, Jesus also, and this is in the gospel as well, as he opens up the first chapter of St. John or the gospel of John, and he repeats it here. He says, Jesus was all about the light, the light of God. He says that the message we have heard from Jesus, what I heard from Jesus, I'm telling you, and what we heard from Jesus, we're telling you, and here's what Jesus proclaimed and what he lived, God is light. And in him there's no darkness at all. And if we walk, or he's calling us to live, that's a word for walk, if we live in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, there's that word again, good relationships, and 
We are cleansed from all of our sins by the blood of Jesus Christ, by what he does on the cross. Jesus lived in the light. And when you live in the light, you see things that nobody else sees. If, I, if we turned off all the lights in the room, it would be dark and you wouldn't see as well, right? That's just, act, that we would agree to that. Jesus didn't live that way. Jesus saw things that nobody else saw. He saw potential in people that nobody else saw. Why? Because he was in the light. When, when other people gave up on Peter, no, Jesus was in the light. He saw Peter. He didn't even see Peter just today. He saw Peter in tomorrow. He saw prophetically. Why? Because he was in the light. God would like to open up your eyes so that you see things that nobody else sees. He'd like you to see opportunities. He'd like you to see prophetically. He'd like you to see um, when the enemy, he, Jesus perceived the enemy. when he's, Peter was talking to him one day, and he said, man, I see something behind you, Peter, and get thee behind me, because what's happening right here, Peter, is not from the kingdom of God. He saw things, because he was walking in the light. And your life would go to a whole new level if you would walk in the light and see things. See things that nobody else sees because you see through the eyes of Jesus. You see through spiritual eyes. The other thing about light, and we need to think about this, is that even as light is hitting us now, everyone in the room, there's energy. What's bringing that light to you that's shining on you right now is energy. Uh, in this room, it's electric energy that's hitting an incandescent bulb or an LED, and it's, it, that LED is then literally waves of energy. You may not even be aware of this, but you're being bombarded with energy right now. Uh, when you go outside and the sunlight hits you, what is that? That's energy. There's energy that's coming from that ball of fire in the middle of our galaxy, and energy is hitting you. In fact, if the sun didn't exist, there'd be no life on the earth. Everything would be, there would be no energy on the earth because the source of our energy, all energy that we have on the earth, the source of all energy we have on the earth starts with the sun. Isn't that true? You say, well, oil. <laughs> wouldn't be any oil if it wasn't for the sun. Wouldn't be any coal if it wasn't for the sun. All energy that you have on the earth comes from light. So remember that. When he calls you to live in the light, he's calling you to live under the energy, under the power, under the anointing of his presence. And that should energize your life. You shouldn't be dragging through life, oh, low energy. Some of you are vitamin G deficient. I said that right, too. Some of you are vitamin G deficient. Now, this is church, so you know what I'm talking about, right? Vitamin God for G, G for God. And there's a similarity in changing and fixing that. Uh, Some of my health people that are here that know about health and vitamins and stuff like that, if you're vitamin D deficient, to solve that, they will recommend if you are low on vitamin D, if you're deficient on vitamin D, what do you do? You go out into the sun, S-U-N. Why? Because why? energy is coming from the sun. 
And for those of you that are low energy today, you need to get under the sun, S-O-N, and let his energy infuse you and empower you, and you'll live like no one else lives on the planet. Come on. Come on. I worked hard on that. That was, come on. I would just say this, my beloved brothers and sisters, stop being deficient in the energy area. Live in the light. Jesus did. Jesus was energized. He was energized by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it caused him to live a life like no one else. And he's calling us to live like him. He's calling us to live under the energy and power of the Holy Spirit. Then lastly, he lived this life of incredible excellence. Jesus never made a mistake. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, how many of you have a best friend? Okay, some of you need friends. How many of you live with your best friend? Okay, some of you. That's good. That's good too. Some of you are going, why, why didn't you put your hand up? <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> you should, okay. If you're married, you should have your hand up. I'll just tell you that. So those of you that live with your best friend, like 24-7, you're around them. How many have noticed that your best friend is not perfect? More hands. More hands on that than any other one. We, you got that one down. Not perfect. Now imagine this. John was Jesus' best friend. His best, best friend. He didn't just see him once a week. He lived with him 24-7. And his testimony is, I never saw him make a mistake. Now, look at this. How many agree that's a pretty high standard? Because we all put our hand up a moment ago. But listen to what John writes to us. My little children, writing to his church. We're talking about it in this church. I'm writing this book to you. I'm writing these things to you. So what? What's his goal? So that you, come on, you can say it. It's in the Bible. It's up there. Come on, you can say, may not sin. That, that's high. That's excellence. Now, he's a good pastor. Now, he says, okay, but, because he knew you, and he knew me. But if anyone does sin, it's taken care of. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, and thanks be to God that we have that. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But get the goal. To live like Jesus is to not give up on that excellence. To reach for excellence. The word sin comes out of the world, world of archery. Are there anybody here that ever, you've shot an arrow sometime off a, off a bow, a bow and arrow. You've done that? You shoot at a target, right? And when you shoot at a target, what do you aim for? Uh, the bullseye, which is right in the middle. But how many of you sometimes have missed? Has anyone missed the whole target? Yeah, well, okay, missed, yeah. That's, that's what the word sin, sin means, to miss the mark. So if we picture that target, and the outer ring is below average, some people have settled for a below-average life because of habits and attitudes, and they've shot a few times. 
And they've given up shooting. They say, I must be below average. In that, and they've accepted into their life less than excellence. The next ring would be average. And there's a lot of people in average. That's why they call it average, because <laughs> there's a lot of people in average. And, and so you've, tr- you've, tri- you've aimed for excellence. You've aimed to live like Jesus, 100%, never, never violate the world. And you've shot, <laughs> and you've given up. You shrug your shoulder, I must be average. And there's a lot of other people that are average, so I must, I'm, I must be okay, because you're judging yourself amongst yourselves. There's other people with this issue, and okay, and they're average. Some of you are a little better than average. Not excellent, but you're above, next ring, above average. You're not below average. You're, doing, you're, you're feeling pretty good about yourself because you you're doing a little bit better than the rest of the folk. But you've settled for it. Here's the call of living like Jesus. To not stop working towards excellence. To not give up for below average, average, or above average. But Jesus is our standard. We don't measure ourselves amongst ourselves. We measure ourselves against Jesus. And that's what John is doing when he says, I'm writing things to you so you keep on trying. You keep striving. You don't accept into your life attitudes and actions that are pulling you away from God in any way. You keep, when you mess up, you don't give up. You kept getting up and you let God help you. And there's a beautiful plan that God, come on, okay, we can affirm that. I got time. That's important. I got time for that. And here's the important lesson. I love when John writes this. Jesus had no sin he knows that we does, and, he, and I love this verse, it's probably one of my favorites, that if we say we don't have sins, if we say we, we're any, anyone, in this, everyone, anyone in this building, I know that you're not always hitting excellent. I, you can look at me, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to confess my sin right now. I'm not going to confess what it is. Not to you anyway. I'm going to tell you, because I'm with, I'm with this verse. If anyone says they don't sin, you're not telling the truth. We know that Jesus came and lived like nobody in this room. He always fulfilled the will of God, always fulfilled the word of God. He lived without sin. And when we do sin, we don't give up. We confess our sin, not to the pastor, and I don't confess to you. We confess it to Jesus. And if you confess it to Jesus, he's going to forgive you of your sins, and he's going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. Thank Thank you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That, that, that when you mess up, he picks you up. When you mess up, he redeems you. And that's why we keep on... Shh, I hit myself with my microphone. <laughs> that's why we keep on. Because we hear the call of John that says, hey, live like Jesus. Maybe, you, maybe you're, relationally, you have been off. Bad relationships. He says, okay, let me help you. Come back. Maybe your joy has been low. He calls you back. Maybe you haven't been living under the energy or power of God. He brings you back. We can't do this in our own strength. Jesus says, hey, let me come into your life and let me help you. Keep focused on Jesus. Keep focused on Jesus. Not on the rules. Keep focused on Jesus. When you aim at the target, you don't look for the outer bands. You don't look, uh, you don't, I'm not looking at those. You look at the bullseye. 
And the bullseye of our faith is Jesus. The, the goal of our life is to become more like Jesus. More like Jesus today than we were yesterday. More like Jesus tomorrow than we are today. More like Jesus. The Hebrew says it like this. I want you to look or fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the one who started your faith, and he's the one that's going to finish your faith. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. So I'm just calling you to live like Jesus. You need to focus on him. Not on this church, not on this pastor, not on a worship leader. We focus our eyes on Jesus and we pray, God, make me more like him. In 1896, a man named Sheldon wrote a book called In His Steps, subtitle, What Would Jesus Do? If you've ever heard the phrase, what would Jesus do? It comes out of that book in the 1800s. And it was about a pastor who stood up in front of his church one day and said, because of some experiences in his life, let's not make any choices or decisions without asking ourselves this question, what would Jesus do? That question helps to bring us to a life that is lived like Jesus. Healthy relationships, abundant joy, energy of the Holy Spirit, high expectations, not low living, high living. And the world sees, and they want to see, there's something different about those Jesus people. People are watching you. You are the only Bible some people are reading. And they want to see something different in you. And Jesus wants them to see it as well. So I pray that we would live like Jesus and that his spirit would permeate this church and the culture of this church and this community as we go out into it and we live Jesus 24-7. Amen? Amen. Okay, we're going to pray together. Let's stand together. Let's close our eyes and open our hearts, please. To the presence and the power of Jesus, our prayer team is going to come and just prepare to pray. Miracles are going to take place. Supernatural is going to enter this room. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to do amazing things. The greatest miracle that ever happens in this room is though when someone opens their heart to Jesus. And that's our prayer. That every single person in this room would have that connection with Jesus. Because you can't live like Jesus without Jesus being in your heart. And so we're going to pray a prayer. A prayer that welcomes Jesus as our Savior and our Lord into our lives. I'm going to lead in a prayer and I'm going to ask for everyone, 100% of us, to pray out loud because God loves to hear your voice. The Bible says, believe in your heart in Jesus and confess him with your mouth and a miracle of salvation will take place. Our prayer is that every single person in this room would be saved, would be saved from the front to the back, from the left to the right. Everyone would be saved. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm asking you to join Jesus. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm asking you to start a relationship with Jesus. And here's our prayer. Would you pray with all the people around you? Lift your voice. Let God hear your voice as we lift our hearts together. Not praying from our head, praying from our heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I open my heart, my soul, my life to Jesus Christ. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I repent of my sins. And I leave them behind. And I turn towards you, Lord. 
And I receive forgiveness and grace and mercy. And I receive your love. Now fill me with the Spirit of Jesus. And help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise be to the Lord. Amen. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Praise praise God. Praise God. So if you're making a commitment or a recommitment of your life, it's essential that you tell one of our prayer team before you go. In a moment when we start to sing and worship, I want you to come and tell them. Say, I prayed with Scott, starting a new life. We'd like to help get you some material that will help you to grow in your faith. They're also here just to pray for any need that's in this room. You need something physically. We believe in healing. Financially, we believe in God's ability to bless us. Your relationships, we believe that God wants to heal relationships. You can come and we'll receive prayer. The Bible says when two or three people pray, miracles take place. And we're a church that believes in praying. You can come and pray. If you'd like to receive communion today, you'd be more than welcome. Holy communion, Jesus says we should do this in remembrance of him. And all I'm going to ask you to do is to remember Jesus. Remember that he died for you on the cross. Remember that he absorbed all of your sin and all of your shame. Remember that he went into the tomb and the third day he rose from the dead and he's in this room right here, right now. And as you take communion, you're having fellowship with Jesus. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive prayer or communion, just a friend and a follower of Jesus. If you're a guest that's been here today, let me thank you so much for coming. We love you. We want to get to know you. We want to grow in fellowship with you. And uh, if you've never stopped by, if you're new to the fellowship and you've never stopped by the VIP room, you are our VIP, and we'd like you to do that before you go. The VIP room is back on the left-hand side. We'd like to give you some gifts, and we'd like to greet you. And so please, stop by that room before you leave today. I'm going to pray a blessing. And after that, there's no other benediction. The worship team will start to lead us. People will come for prayer and for communion. People will take a moment to pray. Let the Spirit of Jesus fill you and the atmosphere of Jesus fill you. The love of God. Oh, God loves you. He loves you more than you can imagine. He loves you so much. And let the love of God fill you. And uh, go with the grace of God. And as you go out, live like Jesus. You're in a restaurant someday. Live like Jesus. Just ask yourself, the people, the people that I'm sitting at the table with, what would God like to say to these people? And am I available to say that? When your waitress or waiter comes to your table, what would God like to say to this waiter? And in a natural way, be naturally supernatural. And people sense the kingdom of God. When Jesus shows up, people sense the kingdom of God. And it's God's plan for the kingdom of God to come to this planet through people just like you and me to the glory of God. So I pray the Lord will bring you to walk in the glorious light the energy, the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do this in your own strength. I know that. And God knows that, so He is bringing you into the light, His energy, His power. I pray that you would have more joy. I really pray for an increase, complete joy, full joy. The things that you prophesy, that's what we want. I pray your relationships would be stronger. I know the enemy. I know the devil rages against your relationships. He wants to mess you up in your relational life. But Jesus wants to come and heal your relationships. I pray you would have healed and whole relationships. I pray that you would walk in the Word, the will of God, and the plan of God in a greater way. I pray that even in this moment, the Holy Spirit will fill you. 
Just open our hands. Just open your hands towards heaven. Just let the Holy Spirit come upon you. Come on, let the Holy Spirit come upon you. Lord, I just welcome the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I welcome the presence of Almighty God to do in us what we can't do to ourselves. Let the anointing come. Come on our worship team. Come on our prayer team, God. Do the miraculous. Come on our communion, Lord. We pray that God would be glorified. In Jesus' name. And all of us say together and to the glory of God, we say amen. Hallelujah, church. Amen. Let's thank God for a beautiful day. A beautiful day in his house. And come forward, please, for prayer. And come forward for communion. And may the grace of the Lord be with every single one.